What's up? Welcome back to the Modern Commerce Podcast, a marketer edition today, super packed with tactics, marketing tactics. You can text test. We are doing a little three, two, one format. So we're going with three tactics that we've tried and you should try too. Uh, we're going with two things you should avoid, even if people are telling you to do them. And we're going with one hot take or debate that's coming up right after a quick word from today's episode sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Reconvert, a Shopify app that will instantly help you increase your average order value. So after somebody places an order, they pay now. My order's being processed. The number one way that we have found to increase average order value is the post-purchase one-click upsell, which looks just like this. After somebody buys, you make them another offer. And if they take it, it is instantly added to their order. Best way to increase AOV. That's true, John. But it's not perfect for every brand and every customer for every brand. So one of the other tools that not very many brands are taking advantage of right now is using this confirmation page as real estate to be pitching offers here as well. People are going to be coming back to this page quite often, checking on the status for their orders, and it's a great place to be pitching them other products. It won't be a one-click upsell, but an upsell nonetheless, great place to get extra conversions. People might reconvert. <laughs> Uh, so head on over to reconvert.io to increase your average order value today. What's up, everybody? We're back. I'm John. I'm here with Casey. Casey, in that ad read, uh, you you drop a little dad joke, which is a good one. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the dad joke, uh, which just made me think. I want to know before we get started here and get into some marketing tactics, what was the hardest you laughed today? The hardest I laughed today i mean it was probably with you just not too long just ago just barely <laughs> yeah we were just okay. discussing some like we just did a little 10 minute rap sesh on yeah on some sitcoms some from 90s, the 90s sitcoms. that we yeah. like it specifically fraser uh lo loving fraser right now i'm i'm watching fraser back and uh it holds up let me tell you it, it's really good <laughs> fraser really holds up huh yeah binge uh, the whole thing in like a few weeks so that's like a lot that's like 200 and probably 250 260 episodes maybe 270 that's big it's boy a, math it's a lot yeah. of episodes yeah it check <laughs> checks out uh yeah you you definitely you definitely give me a, a a dad vibe like in the chair basically the low brow group the low brow one of the group oh yeah um yeah see he seems like he's he's right at your speed uh i don't know what the hardest i laughed today was probably I don't think I've laughed today. Maybe the same. What's well, the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life? I know what. Yeah, that was a, this was a bad open. We should just wow, reshoot John. this. I'm like, I haven't laughed. John, what what what's the I hardest you cried? Ten days. Uh, hardest I cried. I, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you got to be doing something. You can't. Oh no! So no here's much. something that happened today that I hate. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't cry, but uh, I was playing basketball like during my lunch kind of break or whatever and uh it was weird to say lunch break because i'm like i don't like work for somebody at recess lunch. you mean yeah, yeah. do you was, mean at recess you were yeah. playing basketball i went to uh, during recess i was playing some basketball with my friends and uh a dude hurt his knee i didn't that's like i don't know how bad it is but it was one of those things where it's like nothing happened he just heard it changing directions Ugh. and was like instantly on the ground and like ah like swear words groans of pain it's like one of those things where you're like yeah i don't i don't want to know that that happens to people like especially as you get older and you know that could happen to you like no contact no nothing you just 
hurt yourself in like in a way where it was like he couldn't really walk afterwards oh yeah those non-contact injuries are like the worst i mean if it's your knee that's just torqued it yeah that's major that's an acl or an mcl or both or something that's not good they uh and they were talking afterwards i guess this guy's hurt his other knee while they were playing and the other time he heard it they were like oh it was loud it was like a freaking 22 i'm like i don't even want to know that that's happened like I don't want to know that that exists. Yeah, it's very. So that was probably the most gut wrenching thing that happened to me today. That's why I stick to cornhole. Very, very few injuries. Very few ACL tears in cornhole. Not a lot. In the ACL, actually. That's what they call the league. So, yeah. Uh, No MCL tears, no major like Achilles. Like, let's be honest. Most of the injuries people are sustaining playing cornhole is not during the game, it's while they're drinking off the side. Right. Yes. One goes with the other pretty and well. And they're, yeah. No. So that, yeah, that's my day. That's what, I, that's what I got going on. Um. All right. Let's get into some marketing. Hey, I'm, I'm glad you didn't cry today, John. I'm glad you didn't. Not that it'd be hey, a problem. If it's, you it's a middle. It's a, it's, it's an even day, right? No, no laughs, no cries just right down the middle. It's not, not, not the blues, not the, like the sunnies. It's we'll see what like happens. It's middle. Friday. So like may watch a, you know, movie with the kids after this and like, uh, if it's a Pixar movie, like I'm crying for sure. You know what I mean? Like, oh Pixar, man. Pixar gets me every time. Soul? Like Soul, that movie makes me cry. I've seen it several times now, and I've cried every single one. This isn't a Pixar movie, but very family friendly. Um, I mean, it's Tom Hanks. So like that's yeah. He, he's only in family friendly movies, I think. Uh, a, a man named Otto, or man called Otto, whatever it's called. Oh, yeah, dude, I haven't seen that. Tear one. Jerker, no spoilers, but man, that one. Tom Hanks is pretty good. Tear Jerker, even Castaway. Like when Wilson dies, I'm like, what? no, no, Wilson. Uh, He's I, not I even a person. One, I felt that one too. But yeah. I mean, if you if you want to cry, if you want to cry, pop on a man called Otto. I think it's I'm on a, Netflix. I'm a fan of a good movie cry. You, you know. You will cry if you watch it. It is it is brutal. Do you know I, I had never cried in a movie at all till I was like twenty five basically until I had my first kid. I'd wow. never once cried in a movie. Like could be no matter how sad it was, like give me the saddest movie, I wouldn't cry during it. It's like I, I might be like, close, but it was like a point of pride, like, no, I don't cry. Like yeah. uh and then I had kids and I'm like, Yeah, I'm soft now. You know, every, pretty much every Disney movie, I'll be like, Oh, they were friends with the person who had no friends. <laughs> I'm glad it happened to you, man. You're you're more human now, yeah. more relatable. And not a robot anymore. All right. Let's get into some marketing tactics. Uh and uh, I will kick us off. So we're gonna do a three two one format. I think I said that at the beginning, but uh we're you gonna did. do a three two one format. Um, little, little something I stole from James Clear. I think he's the author of Atomic Habits or another big, another big book. If it's not Atomic Habits, uh, he has a three, two, one newsletter. That's pretty cool. So we're going to go three tactics that we're either testing or we recommend testing. They're high on our priority list or we've done them and we think you should do them too. Uh, two things that are like, maybe like popular narratives that were like, nah, don't do it. It's not, it should be low on your priority list in one, either like hot take or debate. If Casey and I find something we disagree on, we'll debate about it. So I will kick us off with three tactics you should test. My first one, first up out of the gate is TikTok live selling. So there's a brand that uh, we've been working with recently collabing with for a sports podcast, uh, DAP sports that they've got like 800,000 uh, TikTok followers on their main, uh, but like they make all their money doing TikTok live selling all day, every day. They are live on TikTok and they're doing like sports card 
what's called sports card breaks, which is like a whole thing where, you know, like you put up this, you know, group of basically, you know, you put something up and you're like, oh, we're going to open this box of baseball cards. Everybody buy your team and you buy in on a team. Like, and if I buy the Mariners, any Mariners card they open, I get. And if they don't open any Mariners cards, then I don't get anything though. Daps does a little insurance thing where they send me something anyway. Um, but yeah, like, so it's kind of this gamified live selling buying thing. Um, but there's a lot of people live selling other stuff on TikTok, clothes, toys. We've uh, seen the live selling model work as well on Facebook before. Uh, but TikTok specifically is really, really getting into this and pushing this. Uh, they have like kind of created a program with dApps where they, they push a lot of traffic to dApps uh, during their lives. And yeah, I mean, they'll have like two, 300 viewers all day when their TikTok shop is working. And it's like a whole vein on TikTok. Like there's a lot of people live selling. So if you have something that is conducive to live selling, then definitely try it. Uh, I think it works really well for product that turns over regularly. You know what I mean? Like if you sell, I don't know, you know, if you sell like podcast microphones, probably doesn't, you probably have like one main product, you know? Right. But if your product turns over a lot, it can totally work. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't work for everybody, but I think the live selling mechanism just in general, it like generally works. I mean, QVC has um, been around forever. Shopping network's been around forever. Like, it's right. Not and, and of. like you said, we've seen it work on Facebook. We've worked with different brands uh, that had a lot of success on Facebook doing it. It only makes sense to me that uh, a platform more more equipped for mobile, like TikTok, yeah. that would just translate over super well. Um, so yeah, not not a huge surprise why why we see that kind of working with with certain brands uh, like DApps. And yeah, definitely something to recommend to test if you the, have yeah. it before. It, it, it can feel kind of funky if you don't do live content usually. So so but don't yeah. be afraid of it. Don't be My afraid. My suggestion would be like, there's other sports card companies. Daps is live all the time, but there's other sports card companies. And uh, we actually have an episode. I can't remember what number it is where we talk to uh, somebody who is like a clothing boutique, uh, Alan, uh, you know, his wife had a clothing boutique that uh, she started that did live selling with clothing. Um, I think like a good foray into is like to go like do like a two hour live and kind of plan out like, all right, here's the products we're going to go through. You know what I mean? And then you can kind of say, oh, we're going to spend about two minutes per product or five minutes per product or whatever. Um, and, and with TikTok, you can have your shop connected right there. So create your TikTok shop uh, plugs into Shopify nicely. Um, you can create your TikTok shop and uh, and you can have your shop plugged in and just say like, all right, tap the shop, you know, and then you can have your link in bio as well. Um, definitely try it. If you're not huge on TikTok, then like you don't have anything to worry about. Like you probably won't get a lot of sales from it at first, but you can start to practice it. But TikTok has a thing and no other platform has done this yet. So this is a little bonus tip. TikTok, you can actually promote your lives. So you can run ads to your live sales. Uh, and And so even if you don't have a TikTok following, uh, you can run ads to your live sales. I think you only have to have a thousand followers to go live on TikTok, which is not hard to get. Uh, and yeah, you can you can run ads to your live sales, which I remember like when we were doing lives on Facebook, we we're like, I wish we could run ads directly to this, uh, but you can on TikTok. So just to uh, tie this up for you, John, that episode you were referencing where we had a live seller on a live selling boutique on, um, that was one of our how to build a brand episodes. Uh, it was ModCom number 51 half a mm. lifetime ago for us 51 uh, but if you want to check it out viewer slash listener you can easily do that anywhere you consume our podcast episode yes. number 51 with blushing brunette boutique 
Alan Jernigan was our guest. That one I remember. I remembered the guest name, but I couldn't remember the boutique name. Yeah, we like we like working Alan. with other people who do live content. Not yeah. not a lot of things focus on live first, and we kind of yeah. do. We're so, we're big we're big live guys, big live yeah. guys over here. We like it. F it, we'll do it live. Yep. All right, Casey, what you got? All right. Well, I mean, I had to pull up something to uh, to find out what episode that was. So let me click back over here. So yes. I would say my my tactic that I recommend testing. This is going to be a spin on something you hear all the time. I would be surprised if just about anybody has heard this for the first time, but maybe you have. Um, the simple version is repurpose your content across okay. multiple platforms. So uh, again, at a simplest, something that you uh, you know that worked on Facebook. Also run it to Instagram. Also, you know, put that on other platforms yeah, as well. I mean, that that's for ads. That's for organic. You know, definitely test things that work across multiple platforms. Pretty yes. easy, right? That's but what's, business, what's your right? kind of, un- yeah, what's your kind of unique variation or, or take on this? Yeah, kind of tough to explain. But if we talk about it a little bit, I think it becomes clearer. It's just adopting the mindset ahead of time, even in the like conceptualizing phase of, of production yeah. uh, for your creatives and things like that, that you're forecasting that you're going to be doing this. So there's no reason to try to build creatives or, or anything like that or copy or anything specifically for a certain platform. If you know, you're going to try to use it more universally. So right. you just kind of need to make good content. And then if you're kind of using it in a lot of places, you'll find where certain types of content tend to thrive yeah. more often where they tend to not. And then you can kind of optimize from there because I actually think that this is such a common tip nowadays that it's it's lost we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater a little bit yes i think people over repurpose a little bit right you know what I mean? right and it doesn't yeah. mean take take asset a and sl- from one platform and slap it onto the other platform as is it's like try to take the essence of it and adapt it yeah rather than just fully repurpose it i think that's a way better way to look at it where yeah. where's the pulling pulling the uh shaking the rust off of this one uh find the the littlest hinges that swing the biggest doors so like yeah focus on the 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 littlest things you can do to make something appear more native uh to another platform where you go to repost right. it repurpose it so that's the big thing i would say is like i i think everyone gives the advice to repurpose content and i'm like naturally kind of a contrarian guy so i'm always like well you know what i think that people who are native users of a platform can really sniff out when content isn't native to that platform Um, like, so for example, if you're like a really native Instagram user, you can kind of tell when something wasn't made for Instagram. I mean, you can definitely tell when it was made for TikTok versus when it was like originally posted as a reel or like if it was originally made by someone who is primarily on Instagram as opposed to TikTok. Right. Uh, and a lot of times it has the TikTok branding in it. So it's a dead giveaway, but it's just a different type of content, you know, that people are repurposing. Um, and, and this is like really true of certain platforms. So that's what I mean. That's like a good point when you're like, make it native. And then the other thing that happens when you repurpose regularly is you kind of realize like where you can't cross repurposing lines. So this is getting into a different kind of content, but like, for example, like we have newsletters and we have podcasts, like Mm -hmm. we can't just take our podcast transcript and make it our newsletter. It doesn't feel native. We can't just take a, a newsletter and make it into a Twitter thread. It doesn't feel like you have to rewrite it for the platform. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean that the content itself isn't 90, 95% the same. It's just kind of reworked. 
Right. Yes. It can still be like the same in its essence, but you, it needs to be reworked. Uh, and I like what you said about like, kind of start with repurposing in mind. So like a one that we do a lot is like, we do, we repurpose this pretty much same exact content across TikTok reels and, uh, and YouTube shorts. And that makes sense because a lot of people who are consumers on those like platforms, heavy shorts, consumers, heavy TikTok consumers, heavy like reels consumers, they're like, kind of used to seeing repurposed content right because a right. lot of people are repurposing across those those three channels so not to mention that those three specific placements are each one of those like larger companies answers for each other mm -hmm. right they they aren't trying to reinvent the wheel with you know google with youtube shorts or tiktok or you know and, and yes. instagram reels it's they they want a copy and paste version of that because that's such a right. compelling newer style format that just representation is important of that kind of format on just about any platform right now. I think that's why yeah. you really can't find, you know, even Twitter, they have, you're going to find vertical videos everywhere you go because right. so many people just shoot there. It feels organic and natural uh, on a way, way more, uh, way more often than shooting in horizontal. Right. Yeah. Like, like how we're in, if, if you happen to be watching the YouTube or the, the video version of this podcast, um, you know, we're both shooting in horizontal mode right now which, you know, as you have things framed up, uh, it's not super easy to adapt that to a vertical after the fact, right? Like right. a lot of times just, just looks a little, like you said, just doesn't look like it was purposefully done that way. Right. But uh, we've found little hacks along the way where we can, uh, we know you learn little tricks and yeah. a platform to platform specifically, you learn what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. So I think that's something that everybody has to go on their own journey, but at its, at its broadest level, just take repurpose the idea. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Repurpose, repurpose the essence. Yes. Okay. So my last my last one is something I tested recently that I I was kind of surprised works. It's like really counterintuitive to a lot of what like uh, ad gurus they're calling themselves creative strategists, which is funny because that's actually Casey's former title. Uh, and it was a title I made up uh, when, when we were working <laughs> at Structured. And I think that like myself and, and Nick Shackelford were actually the first ones to kind of use this like creative strategist title. And now it's everywhere, creative strategist. Uh, but a lot of the creative strategists, uh, Twitter, you know, crowd right now or you know wherever you consume content twitter is a really common place to consume especially direct to consumer e-commerce content um a lot of them are are preaching this idea of like uh you know know your audience and use like problem agitate solution formulas and stuff like that but like when they show you examples it's all the same vanilla ugc crap like it, it really it does it all looks the same and it's this really like it's not professional content. It's, you know, it's native to platform type of content. So it's a, a, it's a little bit better than like a fully professionally done video, which just like smells like an ad from second one. Uh, but it's still like, oh, it's kind of like the most vanilla version of, of non-professional content of UGC or creator content. And, and, and basically they're all saying the same thing of like, use this vanilla, you know, and uh, make it look native to platform and use problem agitate solution and, and introduce and introduce the product early. So uh, I tried an ad that I feel like is like vastly different than that. So this ad is it's three minutes long. First of all, it's like not a 15 or 20 second video, uh, which a lot of that stuff is 30 seconds, whatever. It's a three minute long video. And it is a red background with words. It's three minutes of just words on a red background. 
uh and it, so so it's a little bit more like if you remember it's like it's like uh going it's like uh throwing back to stand out if that makes sense right so mm. ad formats that used to work like two three four five years ago like re trying that again because everybody else is using the stuff that that works right now so like if you remember like if you've been around for a while in marketing you remember the vsl that's essentially what this is it's just a you know it's not some vsls are long 20 minutes long 30 minutes long whatever uh hour long it's only three minutes long <laughs> But I just said, realize that I just framed something. I said, it's only three minutes long. Three minutes long is long for a video ad for e-commerce, right? Uh, so it's, sure. it's three minutes long, uh, but it, it, that's what it looks like. It's VSL. It's words coming over a red background. It's, it, and I have different color variations, red, white, yellow, whatever. No, specifically uh, red backgrounds. Red, red did outperform the other colors, but it might not for sure. you. You, know, you can use a brand color here if you really feel like you need to be on brand. But I never show the product. Uh, I never, I don't even introduce the product until two minutes into the video. Uh, so it is, it feels like content, right? Like it feels like, you know, it's got a hook and a problem and, and given this is like a passionate audience. So it's like, you can kind of get them riled up and passionate about something, uh, right away. And I, I, I won't reveal the, the, so this one is, this brand is political in nature, which is why I'm not saying what the brand is, um, because I'm like not really trying to get into that on, on modern commerce, but, uh, it's political in nature. So it's like really easy to like get them hooked and get them like reading content right away. And then I don't introduce the product until two minutes in, I think this works really well for products that where it's like, I don't need to see it to get it. So like supplements, for example, it's like, you know, does seeing powder, get it, put it, getting put into liquid really help you sell that supplement? Like probably not like the benefits or the outcome that people want is what is what helps you sell the supplement. Now, if your product is like inherently demonstrable, definitely sell, like show it. Uh, but this is, this is something for like the supplement people of the world, the like the, the people who are selling something where it's like, you know, I don't need to show it for people to like, to like really sell people on the idea that they need to be sold on. Um, so yeah, that's something, just something different. Like go back to some old ad formats that used to work, you know, 2016, 2017, cause now nobody's doing those anymore. Yeah. And that's nothing crazy to imagine, right? Like there's a reason why the kids are starting to wear looser fitting pants again, right? Like yep, it's the 90s. This is same exact kind of deal. Style is cyclical. So our ad strategies apparently. Who knew? Yeah. All right. So that's our three tactics that we're testing or we recommend testing. Let's move on to two things that you should avoid even if people tell you to do them. Uh you want to go first? Or want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Why not? Yeah, yeah. I'll go so my choice here. I, I thought about this one for a minute. Um, I liked I liked your answer to this. You had it. You had landed already on what your answer was first, and I liked it. And I wanted to match that with something I thought was similarly good. Uh, but I think only certain people will get this to its fullest extent. <laughs> and and my example of things that some people might tell you to do, but you should avoid, or potentially avoid, would be full service agency across all of your paid channels. Mm. So you're yeah. not even saying like full service because there's a whole other level of full service agency that does like all paid channels, email, CRO, website built. Like we right. were like kind of front to back e-commerce. You're saying like, don't even hire a full service across all your paid channels. I, I think that- That's even more hot. That's a pretty hot take. Yeah, I, I wrote it this way to be more hot takey, okay. but- taking the principle of this and extending it to what what you just mentioned like full service everything across everything 
even more so. Yeah. Even more so. Uh, essentially, my my reasoning behind it is that you're you you just you don't know what you're sacrificing first of all because you limit the amount of tests you control you're kind of outsourcing all of that mm -hmm. and there is always the potential that these people are handling it perfectly they're the a1 number yeah. you're the best people who could possibly be managing all the things uh sure that's in the range of outcomes it's pretty unlikely though right like again if you take every single one of your acquisition channels add in those retention channels too, like you're talking about. Um, it's usually like a sharpshooter, a, a skilled person at those, yeah. those specific platforms. They're going to be more skilled at it. They're going to be better. Uh, yeah. And and when you say, Oh, but this person will just do all of it. Maybe you get a price break. Sure. That's something to consider. Maybe you, uh, maybe they're able to now present data to you in a whole nother way because you're just too busy. Sure. There's value mm -hmm. in all those things, but to automatically assume that that's the the gold standard that's where i think it's dangerous because that yeah. feels like operating out of ignorance to me or operating to operating out of convenience to the point of where like yes you could get all your meals at a convenience store and that's super convenient for you it's far from the best way to get sustenance in your body Right. And whether you're trying to be healthy or whether you're trying to eat good food, it's not the best way. Right. Exactly. It, it, this reminds me of like, uh, we were talking about sitcoms earlier. There's another sitcom that you and I both like called New Girl. And like, there's this, there's this scene where they like go to this restaurant that is like this kind of nice bougie place in LA. And they're serving like, they've got like a, authentic Italian food and like authentic Chinese food and authentic Mexican food. Are you food. an One Italian the, guy? Did I yeah, hear an I Italian there? Italian? Italian? I think I say it both ways, just depending. Interesting. That's yeah, right. I think uh, I think I went a little Theo Vaughn with it there. Like they serve that Italian food, that Italians. Uh, yeah, the Italian food, and that, and then they serve that Vietnamese food. Uh, so like, and one of the characters essentially says like, "What? What are these? What are these guys? These guys are doing too much. They can't be doing all this well." Like, mm -hmm. and and that's that's actually the case for like I would say like ninety five percent of like quote unquote full service agencies. Uh, is that they started out like really good at one thing and they added the other services because their clients wanted them. And it was an opportunity for them to make more money without getting more clients, which is a good thing in the agency world because it keeps them more focused on fewer, fewer clients. The problem with it is then that they're like also working outside of their core competencies. Uh, there are some that do it well. And in like, you know, certain things like if they've acquired, like, you know, we were at Structured, and uh, they didn't build an email team. They acquired an email team, right? So that team was fully dedicated to email. And, and then they had a paid team that was like fully dedicated to paid. Um, so that does maybe work a little bit better, right? Uh, but then you have this whole thing of like, you basically have two separate like siloed operating systems. Um, I think I probably wouldn't typically go for, for a full service agency unless it was like, it's pretty simple, right? So uh, I, I consult with Perk Clothing and uh, we do use this full service agency, but honestly, it's like, it's Facebook, Google, and email, and that's how we make all of our money. And even then, I would say, like, they're not great at Google. Like, they're not a Google agency. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and so if we really wanted to capitalize on Google, we would go elsewhere. But it's just not a big focus of ours right now. Um, right. And they're also not great at, like, adding ancillary channels, right? If we want to run TikTok or Twitter, which, you know, I'm not saying I recommend those, but, they're, like, they're a Facebook agency. And then they're also, they have a team that's, like, really good at email. They're good at those two things. And yep. they do some of the other stuff uh right. 
yeah, I, I would, I would tend to agree with this. Don't go with them. Don't go with one of those agencies. If you can avoid it, don't build one of those agencies. Uh, but you know, sometimes there's just, that's, that's the way agencies get built. Cause they kind of end up not having a choice a little bit. Sometimes. Um, yeah. Especially when your uh, main focus is to continually grow, which we've talked about before. If you're an agency, yeah. that's not always necessarily what, what, yeah. what you want, even though you don't know it, that's kind of neither here nor there. Uh, so what happens, point- you know what happens to agencies is they, they don't do that. And they say like, we're going to stay good at this one thing. And so then the brand hires somebody else to do the other thing. Fine. But that agency is one of those that grows by adding services on and then they offer some price break for all the services and then the brand ends up going to this other agency that isn't as good at the thing as the first agency but it's so that they can do it conveniently and for a better price and all of that uh so that's that's kind of why agencies hands are forced here honestly right yeah a couple things there in that scenario you laid out uh you know you're up you're aware of it so i would say that's one thing is you're not just operating out of ignorance you know you're not you're aware that there's there's probably somebody who could handle that Google account better, but yeah. you've made certain choices. It's and not that's a priority. Fine, right. No. You're, you're yeah. aware of those choices. That's all I'm saying is don't operate under the assumption that having a full service agency controlling everything for you is the best thing just in general. Once you get to a certain yeah. point, it's not necessarily because the other thing that we haven't talked about is make no mistake. Those agencies speaking as former agency people, reformed yeah yeah (laughs) it is impossible for an agency not to look at big accounts which if they're handling lots of your channels almost definitely it's a big account for them they're always looking for ways to make themselves indispensable to you yep so that they can't be replaced and huge if you're big yeah from that brand side you're not even aware of what those levers are you don't know what you might be saying goodbye to if you were to break it off with them and walk away you don't under if they fundamentally understand your business better than you do and how the things work you don't know what separating from them will do for your business which is that's kind of horrifying honestly that's scary (laughs) that's kind of good for the agency and i get why they do it on their side because exactly uh agency's been some become so commoditized that like it's really easy for brands to break up with them so um yeah and this is a good point this is a good tip i i like it it's pretty hot takey um i'll move things along here though and i'll go uh yeah sizzling a spicy take (laughs) uh we should do the we should have like a, a hot sauce sponsor and have like the you know the tabasco hot take yeah new idea all right tabasco you owe us five hundred dollars um okay tiktok paid is what i'm gonna say so i went tiktok giveth tiktok taketh away i said tiktok live selling you should totally do it and and i would if you are live selling i'm not against you testing the the uh, paid to live selling i can't put my stamp on it i can't stand by it i haven't tested it that much uh but i would like that would be you know okay we're already live selling let's try running some paid to our live sales that would definitely be on my priority list running tiktok paid for most e-commerce i think it's something you should be deprioritizing now don't at me all you tiktok agencies or all you people who are crushing it with tiktok ads i literally have not seen any one of you be willing to share the inside of your ad account with me now if you come if you want to share the inside of your ad account with me and your like back end of your like show me like prove it to me and don't not just like crappy attribution but like tell like show me your north beam or your attribution tool or your google analytics and the inside of your tiktok ad account and your actual like blended mer and uh new customer acquisition costs you'll show me that and convince me that tiktok is actually crushing it for you great not 
a single one of them. And there are some people who claim to be doing really big numbers on TikTok. Not a single one of them has been willing to show me. Uh, and I, I'll sign an NDA. I'll do whatever. Right. Like yeah. I'm I would be lo I would love to be proved wrong here. I would love to know that TikTok is a channel that we could really scale at the level of meta. Uh, but even those who I think are running the most scale on it, people like Obvi uh, and, and stuff like that, they have said the same thing is like, oh, it's kind of a wave channel. Like you might get a good really good wave of paid from TikTok, And we've had that. Um, but it, it won't be, you know, it's not nearly as consistent. Meta still king in interruptive ad advertising. For most brands, I would deprioritize testing TikTok if you're like, oh, that's at the top of our list. Again, you know, who's why, you know, who, where are yeah. you getting that information? You know what I mean? Yeah. And what are their motivations? That's exactly where I was going to take this next is I don't know that I would phrase it exactly like most brands should deprioritize TikTok testing most e-com brands, even though that that is the essence. I'd of say it. it's getting overhyped. I, I, I think you just don't like know why you're doing what you're doing. Just follow the numbers. If it's not something that's returning fairly early on, like at, at the very least, like decrease the ad spend. Like that just feels like ad budgets 101 kind of, but right. something about TikTok and the craziest success stories that people want to believe in. Yeah. Sans data. A lot of times, like you're saying, uh, people want to believe that TikTok is the perfect platform for their brand to be advertising on. Probably just because they like TikTok, honestly. Like some decision yeah, or because it's so itself. big organically, right? And I'm sure, not saying sure. don't do TikTok organically. I'm not saying don't even like maybe an influencer or a creator strategy on TikTok could work for you. But right. paid, just I have not seen it back out yet, to be honest. And 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 even all the people who claimed it, that it is, I have not seen any one of them prove it to me. And TikTok is probably the because creatives last so such a short amount of time it the, it's the amount of work left. exactly the amount of work you have to put into constantly replenishing your creative you know your, your creatives it the juice is likely not worth the squeeze Th for most this is brands, what i mean when i say prioritize it because it's yeah. like because it's like if you really want to test tiktok you got to be busting creatives out like crazy so you got to be basically put this whole system around really getting a lot of creatives done to test on TikTok. Otherwise, like you're kind of DOA if you're not doing that. Like there's no point to doing it if you're not going to do that. And doing that is a heavy lift, right? So you're actually thinking you're actually talking about like dedicating some real resource to testing this channel. And uh so if, if that's where you're at, like that resource probably could be more uh wisely dedicated. Yeah. The one thing that I just to bail TikTok out real quick, last little pin I have in it is TikTok isn't a bad creative testing platform. So if you look at it more like, are these, like if something yeah. is viable on TikTok as a creative, it's likely very viable or downright like excellent on other, on like Facebook, yeah. Meta, um, other platforms. Cause TikTok is tough. It that's, that's the dirty little secret. Most people don't want to say TikTok is hard to yeah. be successful. On. Yep. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Last section, uh, before we get into this, let's get a quick word from our other sponsor for today's episode. What's up, everybody? Today's episode is brought to you by Monk Commerce. It's a super slick in-car upsell app. So if I want to buy these New Balance trainers I'm trying to get in shape, I add them to my cart. My cart opens up and it says, hey, look, you're only $5 away from free shipping. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll add this to my cart since you recommended it. And now I got my free shipping. But hold up. 
I'm only $38 away from a free gift. So why don't I add a pair of size eight New Balance trainers to my cart for my girlfriend? She's got bigger feet than me. And now look at this. It actually automatically added that free gift straight to my cart for me. That will all be there when I check out. Super nifty app, super slick, super quick way to increase your AOV. Go to monkcommerce.com. Try it free on your store for seven days. All right, we're back. So time for our final section, hot take or debate. I feel like I feel like section two is a little hot takey, honestly. Um, it was. But but we'll get like a hot take or a debate. And maybe maybe we'll try and manufacture a debate. I'm pretty good at taking whatever side of a debate. So maybe we'll man maybe I'll just take whatever the opposite side of what Casey thinks is uh, and see if I can disagree with him. So let's do this one. Uh I have there's been lots of Twitter threads on this and a lot of people kind of preaching this uh, strategy or, or, or tactic of influence or seeding. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I reference Twitter a lot. I think Twitter is probably one of the best places for marketers to be consuming content other than newsletters and podcasts right now. Um, and marketers and especially e-commerce marketers, if you're an e-commerce marketer, but really all types of marketers, honestly. Um, but there's this, there's this trend called influencer seeding. The idea essentially being that you seed your product to influencers, uh, you seed your product to creators on, you know, TikTok and, and or Instagram and uh, no quote unquote, no strings attached, right? So you send them the product, uh, you reach out to them, ask them, hey, I'd like to send you this for free. No strings attached. Don't have to post or anything like that. Um, and the, a percentage of them actually will post it and you'll get sales that way. And the content they would create will be better content because because it was no strings attached. Uh, they create better content because they actually like the product and they're actual real brand advocates for it. So it, it gives you better content to use in your ads. So that is the strategy. I think surface level, it's like, sure, why not? Seems really good. Casey your thoughts yeah so for this to be a hot take slash debate segment like we want it to be i think the most important piece to that is what is the alternative assuming that you're just not mm. out on influencer marketing in general right because then influencer seating definitely doesn't interest you so i guess where we have to, where i have to frame the debate is influencer seating versus other influencer marketing strategies Essentially. Right. So how how far am I in on influencer seeding as a strategy within influencer marketing? I think it's not a bad idea uh, mm -hmm. for sure. I don't think it's the only way to do it. And it, it feels like not a new thing either. Like it doesn't maybe it's getting more buzz now that like, oh, yeah, of course, you got to be doing it this way. Um, that feels like maybe it's a little bit of a trend. I think it's generally a lot of the things you said are, are somewhat true. But I don't think that's the only way you arrive to, a, a, you know, a, a creator or an influencer making good content for you. For yeah. sure. I don't think that's the only way you get there. I don't think you have to upfront just hand them something of value. Um, I think there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. There's a lot of different ways to set up a model where, you know, both sides get what they want. Yeah. And this is potentially one of them. So I'm, I'm kind of mid on it. What do you think, John? Yeah, well, mid isn't hot take here, debatey. Uh, I, I'll actually like. Let me try and go. I'll, I'll try and I take. Knew, the I knew you'd bring. I knew you'd bring the debate to the table. So. All right, so I'll I'll try and take the position of fully like. Let me just be against it, okay? Sure. Um, and then if you don't bring the position of like, all right, well, here's the counterpoints or whatever, then I'll, I'll maybe I'll just play chess against myself. But, uh, <laughs> the 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 here here's so I am a I am a, a the CMO of Ondar, uh. 
and which is like everyday carry goods, wallets, bags, things like that. Super cool products. Ondar.com. Uh, $500 from Ondar now. Uh, so uh, we're making good money on in Let's like go. in theoretical sponsorships. We're making yeah, great we money. We hit four show. figures on this episode already. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm the CMO of Ondar, and we specifically do not do the influencer seeding strategy. And Ondar, and I came into this. I didn't build this. I'm not tooting my own horn. They have one of the most advanced influencer strategies I've ever seen from any e-commerce brand. It's pretty dope. Um, it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, e like influencer and creator strategies. Now, look, the pay for post model. I get it. Like it used to be, you could just rate, reach out to influencers and you could ask them how much is it for a post. Uh, and then you could pay them that much and you get a return on that. And then you could reach back out to them and be like, Hey, can we whitelist? Uh, and you could get a return on that. Right. And so that's, that was a strategy for a while or the tactic ever, for a while, everybody was, and, and that's great. Right. Cause it's the value exchange, right. And it's transactional. And it's what the influencer wants. The creator wants, I think I should get away from calling them influencers, honestly, but, uh, the, what the creator wants and it's what the brand wants and, and all of that. Uh, the creators have priced themselves out of that and the platforms have throttled the creator's reach a little bit. So for the most part, you can't get a great ROI on that pay for post uh, strategy anymore. Ondar is better at getting an ROI on it than anybody else for sure, because they've done it so much. Uh, but they've like they've moved to other strategies. We specifically don't do seeding because one, you can pour a lot of resource into seeding. Now you could hire a team to do this for you. There are agencies that do it for you, whatever. Fine. That's resource. You're paying somebody to do it for you. Uh, on top of that, like to send our 250, our bags that retail for $250 or our wallets that are really nice that retail for $80. Like we could pour a lot of product cost resource into this. Like, I mean, our margins are fine, but like really like between the resource that we could put into, we already know how much resource goes into outreach to influencers. We know that because we have three dedicated team members or we've had three dedicated team members to it, right? So we already know there's a heavy like lift into outreach and like follow up uh, with with influencers and creators. Add to that product cost resource and like what's the potential upside here, right? The potential upside is maybe we get better ad content. How much better? 200, 300% better than the content we create now. Not really, because we have people in-house at Ondar who are our social media managers who are themselves creators, right? So they already create really good content for ads. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be two or 300% better if we're sourcing it from outside? Probably not. And they can already create really high volume. So that's the thing. It's like if you can already just like maybe hire someone on your marketing team who is a creator themselves and be like, hey, part of your job, besides posting on social media or whatever their job is, is to make the ads, right? Uh, or maybe, I mean, we'll probably get into the world where some ad buyers might even do this. Uh, Dara Denny comes to mind as somebody who could probably both create ads and run the ads. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, like that's an alternative. Uh, and I think it's like a lower, like it's a kind of like a higher floor alternative, honestly. And and I don't think the ceiling is that much higher than it is with, with influencer seating. So that's kind of like my issue with it uh, is that like, I don't think that people, I don't think you should underplay the resource lift that goes into this tactic. Now it's not inherently a bad tactic and I get that you're, you know, uh, there's some good things about it, right? Because a, a really good influencer might then be able to leverage a paid deal and stuff like that. So it's good for everybody or whatever. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, th this is where I'd really be like negative on this. Yeah, I think the way I would sum it up is 
your stance, so the stance you're taking right now is the smarter, safer approach. Kind of get your ducks in a row ahead of time, know what to expect, uh, and and execute things like in a in an expected way. You know, you know, just, there's going to be fewer surprises. Yeah, I think that in this like just unprompted send product off to random creators or, or I mean, maybe you got to ask them. It's not fully unprompted. You got to ask them for their address. So they know product is sure. coming, but yeah, sure. Sure. And, and, and let's also, as I said, random creators, let's assume that there's been some research done. Like, yeah, yeah. That you're doing a good job of picking. It's, the right it's likely that these are actually good creators, you know, at least like in the right niche, let's say um, you aren't picking people at random. I think that you're, you're assuming more risk because there's always the chance that like, kind of nothing comes of it or something very little comes of it. But if you do hit a home run and you do happen to like find that creator that just vibes perfect with you, that I think is where you're going to get that lift. Uh, it's from those specific creators, maybe one out of ones that make a really dozen, good ads. right? The ones who really know what they're doing, know how to make good content, know how to make good sellable content as well. You know, not yeah. just good content, content that sells yeah. and they fit in your niche like really well. If all the stars align, you could find yourself uh, presenting your brand in the best way possible, I guess, to a certain person. It's just it, it's it's a risk, but it's, yeah, yeah, maybe they do. Maybe they. And I I would say that ceiling wise, uh, yeah. a, a more tightly controlled creative production process will all we could will probably even have a higher seat. It would even outperform that over time. So for Ondar, for example. Like those same two, three people making the ads all the time. Like I bet they could make a bigger hit than the best creator. You know what I mean? Uh, because sure. they're they're going to get all the iterative feedback on your on their past ads. Uh, we have had Cody Wittick on on the podcast before. Again, can't remember which episode. Uh, but this is this is a big strategy. This is what his whole agency does. Uh, so if you want to hear like the positives, like the arguments for this, that's probably the episode to go listen to. Um, Again, I'm I need to be better at like remembering, but it's Cody Wittick, W I T T I C K. Um, if you look, if you search our whatever you know platform you're on for that. Um, but yeah, I mean he that's that's what his whole agency does. So you know, I'm not poo-pooing on it. I'm not saying it's a bad strategy or a bad tactic. I'm saying that like think about the resource input and like what if you reallocated that resource input? Could you? What do you want out of it? Because you might be able to get what you want out of it in a better way. Agreed. I actually do agree with that. I guess the, yeah, it's really like there's unknown variables and in, in, you could paint a perfect scenario where, where this is the right strategy to use, Yeah, but it's I'm always going to be with, I'm not it's saying always going to be clients, Yeah. I'm not it, saying Cody's clients haven't had success or people haven't said, I think they, people have, right. But right. they could have had success other ways too. Sorry. And that I, episode I you're referencing is uh modcom number 54, the influencer marketing playbook uh yeah so go check that one out if you are inclined to do so if you want to hear more about influencer marketing from a real pro of two, influencer yeah marketing. two episodes in the 50s reference today that's pretty good yeah um we've made a lot of marketing content all right well i think that's it three two one so recapping uh three tactics we recommend testing we got tiktok live se selling um we have repurposing ideas across different like, repurposing content ideas across different platforms uh and we have uh trying some older ad types uh you know that that used to work that might work again um specifically 
long form heavy copy videos. Blast uh, from two, the past. Yep. Two two things that some people might tell you to do, but you should avoid full service agencies, either as a brand hiring one or as an agency builder building one. Um, and TikTok paid for most e-commerce. I'm, I'm, look, there's exceptions to every word, rule, right? We got however long here to do long form content. We're aware of the exceptions to the rules. Like, mm -hmm. but by all means, add them, add us with them, you know, like at me on Twitter and I'm happy to argue with you or be like, yes, that's one of the exceptions that I was aware of or not aware of. Um, I'm always here to learn. And then hot taker debate, influencer seating, maybe not actually the right path. Everybody who makes content about it, the, 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 the feedback on that content is always a resounding like, oh gosh, this is so cool. Thanks for the tactics. I'm just saying like, maybe pump your brakes a little bit. Casey, anything to add? Any final parting shots here? I guess if I'm trying to pull a common theme out of generally what we talked about today, the one that stands out the most to me is just good old like business 101. Know why you're doing what you're doing. Have yeah. a reason for everything you're doing. Um, even if you're wrong about what ultimately ends up happening, have a hypothesis before you actually go to execute anything. Yeah. And if that hypothesis comes to fruition then that's something you just learned and if it doesn't that's also something you learned but if you kind of come in with this attitude of like i don't know i'm just doing something that's how you learn nothing and you can also have terrible performance and then just find yourself in a yeah. worst of both worlds type i'm of just being action oriented is fine but at the end of the day it's like asking yourself like what is it that i'm actually trying to gain from this tactic you know and what are the other ways I could potentially gain that thing? And am I either more confident or are they easier to execute? Does it take less resource to execute them or are they higher impact doing it a different way, right? Like don't get sucked into shiny object syndrome. Don't get sucked into shiny object syndrome. Easy for you to say. Just because somebody wrote a Twitter thread about it, it's not easy for me to say. Move fast and break things, but also learn how to repair those things yeah and also learn why it broke which direction to move in don't just move fast and move fast Jeez. yeah all right cool uh if you are watching this on youtube please subscribe and hit the bell icon that will help you uh, know when we drop more videos like this uh if you liked this episode we are going to also be having a marketer specific like a more of a marketing tactics email newsletter where we'll share some of our top marketing tactics that we like probably in a similar format top marketing tactics that we recommend testing as well as ones we recommend avoiding um you can find that at moderncommerce.live slash marketing uh, and if you are listening on an audio app like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anything like that, please give us five stars. If you like the show, if you're listening still, you probably like the show. Give us five stars uh, and review. Tell us, uh, tell us what you think. If you didn't like any of our hot takes, then let us know about it. Uh, if you did like some of our hot takes, well, let us know about it. If you've tested anything that we recommended testing, definitely let us know about it uh, so that we can kind of validate with other people whether those things work or not. Uh, I'm John at John J.H. Coyle on Twitter and Instagram. Casey is Casey at ModCom Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Casey, it's been good, man. Thanks for being here. It's been real good, John. Thanks for having me. All right. We will see you next time.